Good to see you. We're in the book of Philippians, and chapter 3, if you're following um, in your notes, we're on page 17, um, bottom of 16, not really most of 17. Um, last week, I introduced uh, the idea of grace killers. And, uh, those of you who weren't here, uh, I'm sorry you lose the thrust of what that meant, but uh, basically, he is he's introducing the uh, enemies that he's addressing in this chapter. Um, for the most part, they were called Judaizers. That's a, a term that um, kind of fits. And it, it's essentially individuals who uh, are trying to hold on to Jewish rituals, Jewish traditions, Jewish practices as a part of the gospel. That's maybe not the best theological way to put it, but that's really what it is. In other words, it's Jesus Christ plus something else, whatever that something else might be. So I use that as an example for you and me to think about great, and that's that thought, grace killers. It's pretty provocative, but that's not a bad way to think about it. Because God's salvation through Jesus Christ is by grace plus nothing else. There's nothing else that's added to the finished work of Christ. And so these individuals, again, we'll call them Judaizers or whatever label you want to give them. Paul calls them very derisively dogs. I mean, it's a very ugly term in verse 2 because they are adding something to the work of Christ. Put it another way. All of this we talked about last week. To say something like that, that is Jesus plus something else, you're saying that the finished work of Christ is inadequate. It isn't sufficient. You've got to do more, which is an affront to Jesus. It's, it's, um, it's showing contempt for his cross and contempt for him personally. That's why Paul is always so enraged, and his language betrays that, whenever anyone tries to add something to the cross. And then he says, again, picking up in verse 3, the last phrase, put no confidence in the flesh. That's, that is who we are, he says. And then he uses himself as an example. And he itemizes seven aspects of his life before he came to faith. Several of them, four of them have to do with his heredity, just that he's a Jew, circumcised, nation of Israel, tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. And then three very personal achievements uh, where he says, as to the law, I'm a Pharisee, I'm zealous, I persecuted the church. And when it comes to the law, I meticulously follow all 613 commandments. And so he says, if anybody could claim that they earned or merited their salvation, it was I. Now, that's essentially what we did last week. <clears throat> and it's good to review that. Because the language that follows in verse 7, really through verse 14, mixes justification and sanctification. And so uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful passage. So I want to spend a lot of time on this, uh, quite frankly, a lot of time. But let me make sure that everybody's with me. Do you have any questions then about those first six verses? I just summarized pretty much what we did last week. All right? Any questions? All right. So your silence either means you really understand me or your silence means you have no idea what I'm talking about and you're just <laughs> going with the flow. But I'm going to assume that you're with me. What's the first word of verse 7? But. 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 The word but is whenever you see that in the Bible, 
or actually in any kind of writing, but especially in the Bible, always think of a contrast. But, so he's calling attention to the things that he talked about in terms of having confidence in the flesh. Whatever things were gained to me, all right, now that demonstrative pronoun, we call it, things, refers to what? The seven items he just listed. They're the things. But whatever things were gained to me, what does he mean by that? From, in terms of the benefits he would have derived from his heredity and the, heredit, the benefits he would have derived from what he personally achieved, being a Pharisee, all that kind of stuff. Those things that were gained, they, you know, you can say, wow, I'm, I'm a pretty good guy. I've, I've, I'm right on the inside track. I've got four hereditary accomplishments. Because I was born a Jew, I've got an inside track. And then I, I pursued with zeal, God's law, meticulously obeying it, and I even exhibited a zeal that was demonstrated by how I persecuted the church. So he said, this is all gain to me, but these things, same reference point, things back to those seven items, I counted as lost. Now listen, that... I know you're listening to me, that's just an emphasis. But if you look at the word count, you see it then in verse 8 at the beginning. You see it at the end of verse 8. You see the word count three times. When you see a word that appears that many times in a short section, that's an important word. I don't know if you write in your Bible or you make no, but that's one of those you ought to connect those three words. It is a, it is a merchant's term. It's an accountant term. Today, it would be the kind of term a person who uses an Excel spreadsheet would use. I've looked at all the data. I've added it all up. And here's the conclusion I reach. Here's what the Excel spreadsheet is telling me. Now, if I'm using that link, do you understand what I mean? Count it. This isn't some superficial, um, I thought about it for five seconds. This is, he has really counted all of this up. He's added all this up. He's looked at it from every angle. I count as lost these things for the sake of Christ. Now again, the word loss is a merchant's term, an accountant term. For me, for me, these things have nothing to do with my personal balance sheet because Jesus when I appropriated his work to my life by faith Jesus put at the bottom of my personal Excel spreadsheet paid in full he doesn't need none of those things matter when it comes to Christ they have absolutely nothing to do with his salvation do you understand the language he's using? I mean, he's using, you know, what we would today call accountant's language. Then it was the merchant's language to demonstrate that as, 
I'll put it this way, as great as I was <laughs> before I came to faith in Christ, as prominent as I was, as zealous as I was, as, as all of the diplomas on my wall and all the, uh, the, 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 the stocks and bonds in my portfolio, I mean, you could just go on and on and on. They mean absolutely nothing when it comes to salvation. And so he uses a very, very strong word, loss, when it comes to salvation. And again, I, I, he, he talks about this in another passage uh, in one of his letters, that, and it's in the book of Colossians. But what Jesus does is he takes the debt we owed to God because of our sin, and he stamps at the bottom, paid in full. There is no debt. You owe, there is nothing because Jesus paid it all. He paid the entire price. So that's the language he's using here. So he's comparing who he is and who he was, because he is still a Jew with all those, those uh, uh, attributes that go with being a Jew. But from his perspective, they really don't mean anything. And the achievements he accomplished, they don't mean anything. In terms of the Excel spreadsheet of his life, they're meaningless. And so he's, he says, I just, I, they're important in my life, but they have nothing to do with my salvation. You know, you, you, in your book you say a covenant people. Yes. Um, we have Jews uh, throughout our city today, and the Jews were chosen. They were the chosen people. So how does that work out in terms of, of their position? What is the benefit of being a Jew today uh, and what happened can you put it in perspective historically like when Christ came then did that diminish the Jewish covenant or does that covenant still remain and so because I think some Jewish people feel and I heard someone say in the business the other day <clears throat> we are the chosen people mm -hmm. and that's true but perhaps not to the extent that we're talking about it today, maybe. I don't, can you comment on that? Just to... Fred always asks these really easy <laughs> questions that don't take a lot of uh, time to explain. It is important, and thank you for promoting my book. I appreciate that. At Christmas, that's a good no, I'm just kidding. But a covenant people, remember, the covenant relationship God has with the Jewish people. It starts with Abraham, and it's reiterated, uh, and the Davidic covenant, which is the the king, the Messiah, and all that, uh, that co those covenantal relationships don't have anything to do with salvation, personally, individually, for the Jewish person. No. Even though they think they it does. Yeah, but I mean, it is really, really important. The covenantal relationship God has with the nation of Israel is not, it is not a, a covenant that because you are a Hebrew, you're automatically in. Because again, if you look, uh, and I use this as a reference point because it's a very important one, in Romans chapter 4, after Paul has laid out that you are justified by faith, whom does he bring to the witness stand as his primary example of that? Abraham. Abraham. And Abraham is the founder of the Jewish nation, the, the one to whom God made all the promises. But Abraham came to... to to, to uh, salvation the same way everyone does, by faith. Genesis 15, 6, is, Paul quotes it four times in chapter 4 of Romans. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. It's, by the way, it's exactly the same word that's used here. 
So it counted. So, so the answer, Fred, is the Jewish people as a nation are chosen by God to be the vehicle through which he will bring salvation. Remember what Jesus says to the woman at the well in John chapter 4 in Samaria. You must remember, you Samaritan lady, that salvation comes through the Jews. Because that's where Messiah comes. Messiah comes through the Jews. And so, I mean, that, so you have the difference between the national covenant with the Jewish people as a people, but still the need for individual response to the message. Abraham responded, etc. And the other part of your question is, well, are those covenants and the, the three that are most important, are the Abrahamic covenant, Davidic covenant, and New Covenant, will they be fulfilled? The answer is yes. And they are fulfilled through Christ. That's what the book of Hebrews tells us. That the whole argument of the book of Hebrews is built around that premise. That the old, that, that the uh, Mosaic covenant is fulfilled in Christ, and the other covenantal promises will be fulfilled and, and completed by Christ. And the, the allies of the Jewish people will be better off because when Spain kicked the Jews out of um, Spain, like, I think it was Queen Isabella, then they lost to the English. The English let the Jews come into Egypt. Well, you're commenting on, yeah, you're coming and... As a nation. Yes, as, as a people. I will bless, God says to Abraham, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And honestly, uh, Matt, uh, you, you either I'm, read... I'm remembering what you said. Okay. <laughs> but it's... Uh, that's not original. <laughs> but it is, I mean, historically, and I don't want to go down this money trail anymore if it's okay, but historically you can show that. I mean, it's really, it's an amazing thing. It's a thread that goes through history. But it is really important, and Fred's question was really a good question. It is really important to separate the covenantal relationship God has with the Jewish people, but also still the individual necessity of a person to respond to the message. There, just be, it's like just because you're a Jew, you're not automatically in. See, that's, that's what Jesus was challenging when he was with the Pharisees. That he... The, he kept challenging them because they made that assumption. Abraham is our father, they say in John 8. And he says, yeah, that's right. But you are rejecting me. And Father Abraham saw my day and rejoiced in it. And I don't, if you follow that, that dialogue, it's a powerful dialogue. So what, what book's that, that, huh? What book's that? John chapter 8. It's that whole chapter. It's a great debate between Jesus and the Pharisees. It's a great, great chapter. All right. Now, that was a bunny trail, but it was a valid bunny trail. Let's go back. Yeah. Yes, sir. Did you have a question? I have a question. Is there a difference? I thought I heard the other day, and maybe some folks know, between Hebrew and Jewish. Is there, is there, is that just a, yeah. a term for Hebrew, Hebrew is, uh, it's used of Abraham in Genesis. Uh, Jewish comes from Judah, the tribe of Judah, or the nation, uh, one of the, the, when the nations uh, split after Solomon died. Judah comes from Jewish. Or, uh, Jewish comes from Judah. But, I mean, Hebrew and Jew are essentially interchangeable terms. They actually have a little bit of a different meaning, but they're basically interchangeable terms. Okay. Okay? Now, look at, again, I'm really, I'm asking you to really... Note the importance of that term count, verse 8. More than that, I count all things to be lost. 
So he's moving beyond just the seven things he itemized in the previous couple of verses. Now he says, more than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. So do you see what he's saying? It's, it's, it's really an extraordinary statement of faith. Comparing anything to knowing Jesus pales in significance. There's nothing more important. I And again, count. You know, the way I talk, that's a merchant's term. I have reached this profound conclusion that compared to anything else there is, knowing Jesus is the most important thing there is. Now, Paul wrote that nearly 2,000 years ago. May I suggest that is still true today. And that's, that's part of the challenge in, 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 our, in our world today, and I think, I mean, especially in North American culture, where, you know, there's so much wealth and there's, there's so many things, material things that you can latch onto as your passion and the pursuit of, and it's just what Paul said here, all of those things compared to Jesus, they're lost. They don't have any eternal value. I mean, they really don't, and that's hard because it doesn't mean that they're not important to God. Because God created the material world, that, not that it's not important to Him, but when you, when you talk about salvation and that word knowing there, that word knowing that isn't just knowing facts about Jesus. There are two different Greek words for know. One is to just know facts about something. The other one is to know intimately and personally. That's the one He chooses here. This is a personal, intimate knowledge of Jesus, i.e., salvation. So he goes on, knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And count, the third time he uses it, count them, but rubbish. That's skubalon in Greek. Now I hope I don't offend you, but I don't, it's just important for you to see it. The word skubalon in Greek means human excrement. That's pretty strong language, isn't it? King James translated as dumb. Okay, dumb. Yeah. So, I mean, he's, he's using a very intense word to drive home his point. For Jesus, I've suffered loss of everything. And he's talking about the material things, again, back to the seven things he itemized in verses 4, and 5, and 6, but also all things. When it compared to Jesus... It doesn't mean anything. It's like rubbish. Done. With the result that I gain Christ. And, and again, gain, it's, the, the word is not earned. It, it's not earned. It's a different word. It's not earned. Through his faith, he gains Christ. So, and it's a, it's a powerful personal testimony. It's a, it's a powerful... Um, illustration of someone who this isn't an impulsive quick this is a guy who really really thought this through now, he met Jesus on the Damascus road but it's, it's he, has, he has analyzed all about Jesus everything that's of value and worth 
And that's why he uses that word count, count, count three times. I've added it all up, guys. My own personal life, my own personal experience, the testimony of God's word compared to Jesus. Everything else is, is really not worth it. Now, again, you keep this in balance. That, that doesn't mean the other things of life aren't important. I mean, for, for goodness sakes, God gives us, he gives us our, our home, he gives us our children, he gives us our car, I mean, all those things. And we're to be good stewards of all those. We're to manage those things in his name. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about the issue of salvation. And that which is most... Sorry. That's all right. I don't know what you did, but you're forgiven. I don't know what you did. You must be baptized. Oh, okay. All right. Now, are there any comments or questions? I don't want you to misunderstand what he's saying, but I want you to make sure you understand what he's saying. When it comes to salvation and the value and worth of everything in life, there's nothing that's compared to Jesus. Amen. Nothing. Yes. And it's important. Paul wants, he wants the Philippians to be reminded. So, again, go back to what this is, this is flowing out of that concern of these false teachers that are coming in and saying, you have Jesus, but you've got to add a bunch of things. You've got to be circumcised. You've got to get you know, all those things. No, no, no. When it comes to salvation, those things don't matter. Okay. It must have been very difficult for the Jews to, get, to release that. Absolutely. Thing. Didn't even Paul get in Peter's face a little bit mm-hmm. about what he eats and what mm-hmm. he said you should eat? I mean, even for Peter, it's That's hard right. for him to give it up. That's right. It really, and you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, he chastised him in, in the book of Galatians, it tells us. It, and I think part of it is, and I mean, in a lot of ways to look at it, but part of it is that is your identity. You are a Jewish person, and that is your identity, and then all these other things are a part of that identity. What I have, I have a lot of friends who are Jewish. I went to, to seminary with a couple of them, but guys who come to faith in Christ, and they, they call themselves fulfilled or completed Jews, and now they really understand it. I mean, it's exciting for them, because instead of saying... And this is what Larry, took, my good friend uh, that I knew in seminary, what Larry would say, now what I see is all of the precious things that were a part of my heritage are now fulfilled in Christ. So they all have tremendous meaning because they're now fulfilled. But that's very hard because until a Jewish person really accepts Jesus as the Messiah, there's this disconnect. You're asking me to give up 4,000 years of my tradition, which is how far you go back to Abraham. And say, no. And that's why the book of Hebrews is the most important book for a Jewish person to read. Because the book of Hebrews shows that everything is fulfilled in Christ. Oh, it's really exciting stuff. But it is hard. It's very, 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 very difficult. But So you said earlier, you just don't, it isn't so that if you're Jewish, you automatically go to heaven. Oh, no, Absolutely. Nope. It's, a, it's the salvation of Christ. That's the only thing. And anybody, not just Jewish, mm-hmm. but anybody, that boom. That's exactly right. So do we think a lot of people are going the other direction and they hate Are they? What, what was your question? I, I, are they going to hell, in other words? We're going to say everybody, a lot of people are going to hell. Is that? Well, that's, that's, that? that's God's business uh, okay. because he knows the human heart. But... The clarity of the New Testament is, and I'll quote the Lord Jesus in, in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Yes. No man comes to the Father but through me. 
But in terms of, you know, I, I've known a number of men, um, and I don't, like, I don't personally know any women at that, in that, uh, at that level, but a number of men on their deathbed put their faith in Christ. Amen. And that's just so you never know. I, I, don't, I don't think it's right for us to ever, with certainty, say that person went to hell. We don't know what happened in the last moments. Of, but the point is, back to the main thrust of your question, it is what Christ said, the only way to the Father through Christ. Now look at verse 9. Now, that I may gain Christ. Again, not earn. I'm not earning it. Gaining. Through my I'm gaining Christ. And now look at this. And be found in him. Now that phrase, in him, throughout the New Testament, in Christ, in Christ Jesus, in Jesus Christ, 216 times it is used to describe our position. So in other words, I've done this before, but if you think of this, if you don't recognize that, it's supposed to be a circle. In case you don't recognize it. In Christ, or, I mean, it's, it's a number of ways it's written in the New Testament. In Him or in Christ Jesus. They're all referring to exactly the same thing. And as I said earlier, in Paul's letters it's used 216 times. In John's writing it's used an additional 26 times. So obviously this is pretty important because it's used throughout the New Testament. Okay, what does that describe? He's describing his position. Because I've gained Christ by my faith, none of the stuff that was a part of my life counted. But now I'm in Jesus, I'm in Christ, okay? That's his position. Now, what he does is, if this is his position in him, what's the primary characteristic of that position? Look at the verse. We found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, which is how a legalistic Jew looks at it, but that which is found through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Men, that is another way of saying justification. So that's, that's the theological and biblical term of the position. So one of the characteristics of being in Christ is you are righteous. What's another word for righteousness? Okay, obviously you didn't hear that word. What's another term for righteousness? Holy. 